Hello, friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Fort Worth Roots. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Clean and Clear Lawn and Landscaping.net. Whether it's business or at home, this is your solution in DFW for everything going on outside. French drains, retaining walls, fences, new sod, they got you covered. Go check out the website and schedule yourself a free quote, or maybe you've just got questions about a project that you're considering. Clean and clear, lawnandlandscaping.net. Check them out. They got you covered. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by GW District. We've been talking about GW District for about five episodes now, and in that short amount of time, they've gone from 30 businesses listed on their directory to 80 that's quick. That's very fast. But the reason it's so fast is because as soon as they get a hold of these small businesses or these minority-owned businesses, they see the value and they jump on immediately. This is a great place to shop. It's also a great place for you as a small or minority business owner to list your products. So check them out. Go to shopgwdistrict.com or now you can go over to your Play Store, pick up the app, and Use GW District uh, app to find all the same information. So two easy ways to take care of this. You know you want to support them. Go check them out. ShopGWDistrict.com or go to the app. My guest today is a former Seattle, Washington resident. He was actually in Seattle whenever the whole CHOP, Capitol Hill, Autonomous Zone thing was going on. So we get an insider's perspective on that. He understands the climate before all this went down. He saw the chop thing before, during, and after. So we're going to get that story. Plus, he's going to tell us a little bit about what's next in his life's chapter. Please give it up for my brother from another mother, Stephen Gallegos. Let's start the show. Hey. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, so let's jump right into the uh, Capitol Hill thing. You were telling me a little bit about it before we jumped on here, but let's pretend like the listeners didn't hear any of that conversation because they didn't. Yeah, well, the um, the unfortunate situation with George Floyd happened uh, about a month ago, and protests in the uh, country started happening, and, of course, Seattle was one of them. And there is a very... Uh, popular community in the Seattle area called Capitol Hill. Uh, it's probably the most eclectic area in the uh, city. What do you mean by that? It, well, it draws um, not only minority groups, uh, but it also draws, well, it draws all sorts of minority groups, um, uh, from race to sexual orientation to um so you just being immigrants. You said religion. eclectic. You're saying just all inclusive. Yeah, Everybody. It's just an yeah. all inclusive uh, neighborhood. Okay. And uh, so that was the perfect place for the protesters to settle in one place and uh, speak their mind. Yeah. Uh, the mayor of, of Seattle was very supportive of that and allowed us to create what we knew as CHOP, which okay. is an area free of police. What does that stand for? Capitol Hill. Occupied. Uh, to tell you the truth, autonomous zone. That's a word I heard. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> but I think that starts with an A, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, there were there were a lot of uh, different acronyms that were yeah. that were developed just from that two yeah. week situation there in Capitol Hill. But it was a fourteen block 
not necessarily four, probably about four blocks. Okay. A four square block area. And within that four square block area was a, a police precinct. Mm-hmm. Um, that precinct has always been very popular in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, as a part of the um, process that the mayor wanted, she evacuated the entire precinct so that people had a very specific area where no police would would be around. And so that provided a lot of freedom. Um, A lot of things just started cropping up, which really surprised me. Food, like you cannot believe. Um, Food was being donated by the tons. And all people had to do was just grab whatever they wanted, whether it be water or fruit or sandwiches or whatever it is. And no one was taking money for this. It was all in support of... Um, the cause. And this uh, is all at the beginning you're talking about, right? Yes. Because you were telling me there was a huge change in the whole environment Mm. of this thing somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and I really enjoyed what had initially developed from from having an area for people to express themselves. A lot of different uh, thoughts were being expressed, and I found it to be very, very healthy. What I didn't find healthy was after the protests started to die down, um, that area easily became a place for those people in our communities that don't have a place. Yeah. So they took advantage of being able to sleep in a park with their tent uh, without being harassed or asked to leave. So there, there was a, a lot of a lot of folks that um, support well, the protesters, but at the same time. They're trying to support themselves and just living. Right. So those people, a lot of those people probably lived in the Seattle area before all this started. And now there's food and the cops are staying out. So I'm picking up my stuff and I'm moving over to Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. At least I can ride this out in comfort uh, as long as, as long as this is going on. Right. Right. Because I mean, the cops will, they, they, they police the, the homeless population in certain areas and keep them from, Sleeping on park benches and things like that, right? That's right. So, I mean, obviously Capitol Hill would be you know, uh, an attractive area to, to stay if you're in that situation. That yeah, it, toward the end, it really did illustrate just what what the, the uh, problems are in any, any city or any community. Yeah. Uh, those that are disadvantaged uh, for a number of reasons, whether it be race or, or sexual orientation or religion or any one of those things. Um, but those were the folks that were left. Everybody else went home. Yeah. And that was very sad because you had all of these people that had nowhere to go and were taking advantage of not being told to leave, yeah. which I don't blame them. Right. They oh. had a safe space. Makes sense. And uh, I appreciated that. However, the grounds and the area within CHOP was destroyed. Yeah. Um, that's the downside of it is graffiti. I, I've never seen as much graffiti. If it could be painted, it was painted. And um, that was very, very unfortunate. So, of course, you also draw in those those uh, segments in any community or population that are just wanting to victim to uh, victimize others and and. Um, destroy property and that sort of thing. So you're always going to have those kinds of people, but that's what was left. So you had homeless kids, homeless adults in an area that was completely just destroyed um, 
from all of the uh, graffiti that was going on. What had happened was uh, the mayor had then saw that the um, the participation levels were were coming down and probably recognized what I recognized and and immediately called for the closure of CHOP. Right. I went back a week later after it was closed, and you wouldn't have known that anything had happened. Yeah, that's after they had dispersed the protesters, cleared the parks of anybody camping out, and gotten people back to their homes. And right, right, yeah. yeah and so uh, that that was a uh, that was nice to see. So the graffiti, all the graffiti's gone. Everything. How do you clean something like that up so fast? I have no idea. I just hmm. figured, wow, if if we can remove graffiti like this, why why isn't this <laughs> this process, you know? The rest shared the with with other businesses who have issues with right. graffiti on their buildings and stuff, but I found it. Hmm. I was surprised. That is wow. wild, and it was really really great to see. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I'm glad. Where did those people go? Yeah, excuse me. <clears throat> I'm glad that um, you got to see what it was like when everybody got there and was trying to do something positive with it, and then you got to see it kind of unfold and turn into a different thing and then went back after it all been cleaned up and seen uh, society kind of re- restored to its initial uh, starting point before all that happened. Um, so you got to see kind of every phase of what would happen if the police were removed from a situation <laughs> and what happens whenever law and order is completely uh, taken out of the scenario. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I think you had to, 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 um, Thoughts here. You had one group of people that appreciated the chop area to allow themselves to speak their mind and, and demonstrate and and say things that needed to be said. And then you have the other side of folks who may believe in the cause, however, are really looking at what can I do to keep myself alive. And so you had those two two communities there, and the ones that lasted the longer longest there were the folks that probably didn't have anywhere to go. Right. I think that's a really powerful example of understanding the full story and not just nut picking, trying to point a finger at the people that are behaving the most uh, uh, outrageously and saying, oh, okay, that's what happened. But there's a full story there. You know, you've got the people that actually put the whole thing together. They established a situation that was meant to kind of represent change and uh, progression, and uh, it was a positive movement. And then the people that, what do they call that, opportunist criminals, they move in, take control of something that was uh, intended to be something completely different. They changed the narrative and then uh, screwed everything up. Mm-hmm. And, of course, people that uh, might be on a, a different side of the uh, argument, they're going to focus on that and say, this is this is why my uh, point of view is, is correct, because of this. And then the other side's going to say, no, well, actually it was this. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. It's a polarizing issue, but if you understand the entire story, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can call it what it actually is. You can see what what, what it was actually meant to happen and what what it turned into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you live in a free society as we do, and and everyone is allowed to express their own opinions and thoughts, um, you're going to find uh, s- s- some commonality between everybody. But at the same time, you're also going to eventually see where the major differences are. Sure. So although um, the protests were really uh, influenced by George Floyd's murder, um, it also provided an opportunity for other people to more or less 
make a statement about their condition in life. Um, and it, that, that was very sad to see. Yeah. So you said the, uh, the police station was completely vacated down there on Capitol Hill? Mm-hmm. Vacated. They put a fence all around the building. Did that uh, hold up? It held up. Um, someone managed to <laughs> climb over the fence one night and uh, spray-painted over Seattle Priest 13th Precinct to, uh, to the Seattle's People's Precinct. Yeah. And yeah. I thought it, it is that line of thinking that is what really um, had existed in the CHOP area for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. after the George Floyd murder. And so uh, it was unfortunate to see what was left you said that that particular precinct was uh, uh part of the community i i were you kind of did you mean that it's uh it was respected and held in a high regard and yeah this particular precinct um is very active with our lgbtq community mm-hmm. um they even um they've been grand marshals uh they march every year with the parade uh, they even have their own souped-up SUVs with the pride colors on them. <laughs> so uh, th- there is a lot of work that's been done in that particular area. I mean, that, that's where I like to go when I'm in the city. Mm-hmm. It's uh, most eclectic, and it, see that it does offer. Right there, I'm sorry to interrupt you. It um, <clears throat> it just provides a much better place for people to experience different things. Yeah, that's why I enjoy it. So the uh, the community started off with a. a a good feeling towards the police. That was a, a positive place. There was a good relationship between the community and the police. Do you feel like the the pushback against the city from the people that were inside CHOP, um, maybe they were from outside of that community? I mean, to, to see that kind of resentment towards the the local government, the police, and um, the, the mayor, did, was that influenced heavily from outside uh, communities, or why, why, what, what caused them to, to turn on the city that apparently supported their diverse, eclectic community? I don't know that it was so much the, the community, Capitol Hill, as I think it was just the bigger picture, the, 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 what really drove uh, the protest. And Capitol Hill just happened to be the best place for, for, for this type of gathering. And the police department... Um, also did their part um, in vacating their precinct while we were allowed to protest peacefully. Yeah. And um, so there wasn't uh, any really strong animosity towards the uh, Seattle Police Department that I sensed. Yeah. Um, I I believe that the Seattle Police Department was also in, in support of the protesting and um, I do know that there were curfews during the first two weeks of CHOP uh, at 8 o'clock and so of course you had your police in their riot gear and their and their shields and their face coverings and and it was um, none of it ever really turned violent That's awesome. Uh, but it was their way of saying okay it's 8 p.m. we need everybody to leave <laughs> and of course this was uh, just right before they gave the uh, protesters the chop area. Yeah. So um, as soon as that ended, then we didn't have to deal with the, the police having to vacate the surrounding area. I heard that's a, uh, that's a tactic um, that some cities adopted and tried to use uh, modeled after 
some previous incident, but you you let the community burn it out of their system. So you just let them break things, set shit on fire, do whatever they want, and you stay out of their way. Um, but I I guess back in the '60s, and then again here in 2020, we found that it doesn't work. You can't just let them burn it out because it'll just keep going. It'll keep getting worse. Mm-hmm. So they're having to rewrite that uh, that theory. And, We've disproven it, hopefully for a final time. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that anytime you have um, free people who are unhappy with their situation, um, you're always going to draw all sorts mm-hmm. of beliefs and thoughts. And I, I'm afraid that because of those few that end up disrupting the cause, um, I don't believe that those that are there for good intent reasons should be uh, penalized from having a protest. Oh, sure. We, I, I believe that we just need to accept that there's going to be a faction, mm-hmm. and those are the ones that uh, I would like for the Seattle Police Department to keep their eye on. Yeah. And, and I felt they did that. So here in Fort Worth, um, we, we man, they, they might still be protesting. There was a protest every single evening for... I think a month and there still might be some going on. I've even seen protests uh, for the Fort hood soldier that was recently uh, discovered. Did you hear about this? She just, okay. So there was a, a soldier stationed at Fort hood. She went mi- and for the folks oh, yes. listening, I, I don't yes. know all the details, Yes, but it's just recently found. Yeah. So they found uh, her body. But the thing is um, they didn't even know she was missing until the, the uh, soldier's family called said hey we haven't heard from our daughter in a while what's going on and they said oh well we don't know or something like that they they no one had reported her missing which if you know anybody in the military uh lean over your shoulder and ask them but they'll tell you um that that's not a thing like you have to be at your physical fitness uh formation in the morning you have to be at your uh, start of work formation. You've got to be at your end of uh, duty day formation. There's formations all the time. Active duty, that's all they do. It's formations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how they define their day, moving to the next formation. And during those formations is accountability. And um, so the fact that the family knew she was, that something was up before her chain of command did, that's crazy. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. They found her body um, or the remains in a field somewhere. And like I said, I don't know all the, the details. Most of what I just spit out of my mouth came from little bitty articles I saw on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, they're protesting that now downtown. The reason I was bringing up the protest in Fort Worth, uh, to touch on what you said, the uh, local police let the protests uh, continue um, up until the point where uh, they realized it was getting kind of out of hand. And so they chose a... A cutoff point, which happened to be a bridge, and um, they told them, you know, they warned them. I, w- I want to say there was three warnings given, like, "Hey, that's it, far enough, it's over for tonight." So disperse, and they gave them three different warnings, and they didn't start using uh, implementing tactics <laughs> or whatever you want. I don't want to uh, make it sound too gruesome. It really wasn't, but uh, um, anyway, they. They didn't start dispersing the crowd until uh, frozen water bottles started getting thrown at the police officers. Ugh. Now, you hear that and you're like, frozen water bottles? That's a weird thing to be throwing. Well, it's extremely weird if you've been out there protesting for four hours. 
in uh, June or July heat. You're not going to have a frozen water bottle on you, right? So obviously the guys that showed up with frozen water bottles, they just got there, mm-hmm. okay? So uh, to your point, the uh, peaceful protesters, they were out there doing their thing. The cops were helping them. They were shutting down streets, allowing them to continue Um, some of the cops, and I have pictures of this provided by, uh, one of my guests, his wife, uh, Jessica Rambo, um, studios or jessicarambo.com. She provided us pictures of the cops and they're, you know, participating and helping. And then there's other pictures that have come up on social media of the cops taking knees and, um, you know, doing everything they can to show their support. Mm -hmm. But whenever people start showing up and throwing frozen water bottles at police officers, it's time to go home. Uh And um, three officers were injured, um, not not critically or anything like that. But, you know, hey, they went to work to do a job, and they got hurt. So it's worth noting, I guess. Um, but for the most part, peaceful protest all the way up to the end. And uh, uh, Fort Worth police officers did a great job of uh, minimizing the uh, amount of uh, negative publicity that was generated by that by, by controlling their own emotions and mm-hmm making sure that they did it in a professional manner. But, um, yeah, people should be able to get out there and protest. And the officers are, you know, they're, they're helping as much as they can. And, and then whenever it gets out of, out of, out of control, then, well, they've got to switch gears and do the other part of their job, which is, you know, protect. So, <laughs> Yeah, I thought they went about it very, <clears throat> very strategically in, in that they didn't, they knew that the whole, the whole event uh, involved the police. Mm-hmm. And so the strategy that the city took was to not be that, regardless of how crazy it got. Yeah. So I, I think their point was well made, and I believe that that did gain the police department more points with the community um, because they did demonstrate a behavior that most of America is wanting from their police departments, and I felt that... Seattle Police Department did did a phenomenal job with um, curtailing any um, uh, injuries or or uh, just unnecessary crap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we're proud of our cities. Way to go, Seattle. Way to go, Fort Worth. Yeah. And uh, Dallas, I, I think they did pretty good too. There was some incident. Got a little more western out here in Dallas, but um, for the most part, you know, nine out of ten, they did pretty good. Um, well, that's enough of that. I just really wanted to ask you about Capitol Hill because you were there personally and it was all over the news. So, um, but now I want to know about the next chapter of your life. Are you, are you okay talking about that yet? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll get permission before I air this one. Okay. Cause, uh, nobody knows yet. Nobody knows. Tell the world. (laughs) Tell the world. Yeah. Well, this Latino is going to Mexico. All right. Yes, and I, you know, I, I was uh, very blessed in um, in this country to work for a a um, a blue chip organization. And uh, I, I've heard that term before, but what is blue chip? Like a, a five hundred company. Okay. You know? So, um, and I was able to to benefit from working there, and and. Uh, uh, really learned some things, uh, not only about myself, but learnings that I could take to leaders and, and employees. And it had such a huge impact in my life that uh, I felt 
I needed to share this with people that would never, ever hear this. So I have a lot of um, different topics around learning and, and leadership and um, managing behavior and, and how we think and how our past dictates much of our decision thinking. And, and I think that as a, as a Latino, this type of education probably isn't found in many uh, Mexican companies, uh, much less small business, or even discussed in schools. Um, so I feel it's my responsibility to go down and see what I can do to volunteer. So and Taking your years of and, corporate knowledge and trying to bring that back to a community that didn't have the opportunity to, to learn those things. Yeah, one of the best feedback statements I've ever been given after a program is I had this one 19-year-old kid you know, out of high school, um, first corporate job, and um, he took one of my classes, and afterwards he came up to me and he says, why don't they teach us this in high school? Yeah. That stuck with me because I, I realized that unless a person is in a unique situation and in a unique place at the right place at the right time, then you're fortunate enough to hear messaging that can help you move forward and keep you from limiting your abilities. And I feel that if I could do that for people here, why not take a message to, to my Mexican brothers and sisters and for help sure. them realize that they don't need to leave Mexico? Yeah, for sure. Well, that's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun journey. It is. I'm looking forward to it because um, I've I've been to Mexico once now. Finally, have my passport, and um, it was a resort, so it's not a good uh, barometer for the uh, for the local culture or anything like that. But it was so beautiful. And I loved it, and I want to go back very, very badly. <laughs> and the place that you're uh, looking at moving towards is, uh, it's going to be, what would you say, three hours from yeah, it's Playa del Carmen? Four hours north of uh, Cancun. Okay. In a, uh, one of the oldest cities in the uh, Yucatan area called Merida, mm-hmm. established in the early 1400s. So it's been there for that period of time, and... Um, there is a lot of opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a huge expat population. or uh, explain Amer- what an expat is. Americans that no longer live in America, but okay. live elsewhere. That's, exact, that's what that means, though. Expat means Americans that have moved to a different country. To move to a different country, right. Okay. And so there's a, there's a huge expat contingent there. Um, and it's still remained very local. Um, the U.S. dollar hasn't quite influenced the Yucatan area, so it's mm-hmm. still very Mexican, very rural. Uh, people work for pennies. $100 a week is a lot of money. They compared $100 a week to four visits to the doctor. Damn. So um, the $100 uh, that they get could be used for something like that, but again, that's what they live on. And um, it just feels unfair that I can go there and, and live abundantly. And so I, I feel that it's only fair that I go there and do something instead of just reaping the rewards of my retirement and uh, my ability to to do something. Yeah. Oh, look, room service. Just kidding. I thought you said you had to clean your own room. <laughs> I found out that after, if I'm here, well, I just found this out. <clears throat> because I'm here as long as I am, 
if mm-hmm. you're here for more than five days, then you're allowed to request uh, room service. Maid service. And so I did. And I, I, I says, well, I really like to get fresh sheets. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one of the added benefits of coronavirus, and I'm not taking the virus lightly, folks, calm down, but she had a face covering on. I would probably have to cut her out of the video if she didn't have that on because I don't have permission. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she, her face is covered now. You can show her. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to uh, our, uh, my visit to Mexico. And it look, looks like I'll be able to stay at my favorite resort when I come to see you and then uh, make a drive uh, through the, the countryside, hopefully. I don't know. I'll have to do some planning before. Yeah. Wait until you get down there, let you get set up, let you start making your, your big moves and uh, identify all the good places to eat and let let you adapt to the water. Have you thought about that? Like your your entire system is going to have to acclimate to the sun, to the uh, microbiology and the water supply. You're Man, you're in for a ride. Well, I, I think <laughs> the fact that I'm Mexican already, oh, come on, already absolves me no. from feeling any of that. I tell you what, let Montezuma get a hold of you and we'll see if uh, living in... Uh, northern United States for how many years has uh, kept you acclimated to Mexican drinking water? I, you know, I as often as I've been to Mexico, I've never gotten Montezuma's revenge. Have you been drink? Have you drank the water though? I have drank the water. It's not that I drink it all the time. I mean, I've been right. in a, a hotel room where I didn't have bottled water. Uh-huh. I would let the water run out of the faucet. Yeah, if there was a sink or the bathroom. Right. For a couple minutes. Well, so I wasn't crazy about it. Like I would, I would use uh, the water out of the tap to like brush my teeth and stuff like that. But I wasn't drinking it. Yeah. I, I mean, I I didn't I, drink a lot of it. But no, no, I never, I never felt like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Well, and and, and I, uh, I asked our guy because everybody had like somebody assigned to their room. Like that was the guy that took care of you, um, like concierge service or whatever. And you meet him the first day that you're there, and he takes care of you the whole time you're at this place. And I asked him, because I'm like, you know what? This is just a bunch of scared white people worried about the water. They watch too much Hollywood movies. So I asked him, I'm like, hey, man, um, is is the water really that bad? Can I drink it? I mean, it's silly, right? Don't worry about it. And he's like, do not drink the water, sir. <laughs> like, you, you only drink the bottled water. Because oh. you're gringo. <laughs> I mean, he like he was like... Whoo. Eye contact, like listen to me. Don't drink the water. You know, I want you to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get sick, you're not going to spend any money. Come on, That's man. Right. Don't drink the water. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I took his, I took his advice, man, and uh, so I just drank beer the whole time because it's, you know, it's bottled. So yeah. <laughs> well, they have bottled water in Mexico, so I'm not too worried about. Yeah, it. Yeah, you know, it's just it's one of the things I think about. But anyway, excited to do it. Um, and you're going to be out of here probably in the next couple of days on to California, and then yeah, I have one more visit in California to visit some uh, family, and uh, then from there I'll uh, fly into Merida. And my plan is to uh, take some road trips, figure out where I'd like to establish my final roots. Mm-hmm. Um, Merida, I've done the most research on, so that seems like the most attractive community for me to move to. However, there are some other areas in, in uh, uh, the Yucatan which are just as uh, inviting, like Tulum, Playa del Carmen, which is where uh, we're at. Yes. Uh, Campeche is another one. Um, so th- those are all in the Yucatan area, and, and of course, uh, the American dollar just does phenomenal in these areas, and so I know I'll do really well for myself, which makes it much easier for me to do for others. So yeah. really looking forward to it. That's something, um, not until later in life, you know, now that I'm older, 
looking at the world differently. I don't want money just so that I can have money. I want money so that I can do creative stuff and be an asset to my community and things like that. I'd like to have the financial freedom to not worry about money so that I can focus on creative stuff. And, you know, you've worked your ass off your entire life to get to where you're at. So I'm glad that you're able to finally, you know, move on to something that you get to pour your heart and soul into. Uh, that's, that's in my opinion, that, that should be everybody's goal is get to a fini- financially stable position so that you can do what you want to do as far as, you know, if what you want to do is sit on a yacht and uh, snort cocaine off of hookers all day, obviously that's not uh, pure intentions. But what you're doing is, <laughs> is awesome. So uh, thank you for what that. you're doing, man. Yeah, I could do that after hours. No. <laughs> yeah. There's probably a resort that includes that as part of the all inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. Sure that's I'm sure. That's a good All right, man. Um, I love you. I love you too, man. And, um, I am extremely excited for your trip to Mexico and to see how that all unfolds. Um, I will be on a plane down there to see you just as soon as you uh, turn the light on for me, Tom Bodette style. That's right. <laughs> um, do you want the people at Fort Worth Roots to hit you up on any kind of social media or no? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm open to it. Because they might have questions. They might want to be like, what's it like down there? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Yucatan really doesn't have as much of American influence as the rest of Mexico. Yeah. Um, especially when you're thinking about PV, Puerto Vallarta, Mazalan, Cabo. Those places have a, a, a heavy American influence. And so you're really not experiencing the true culture of, of Mexico. And that's one of the biggest attractions for me in the Yucatan. Okay. Um, what's the best way to get you? Instagram, Facebook? What are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm available on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I can best be reached at, uh, on Twitter, it's, what is it? S- GA 11 Okay. And at uh, Instagram, it's at Gallego, G-A-L-L-E-G-O, Spain, S-P-A-I-N. <laughs> at Gallego, okay. Spain. Well, if I do my job, I'll try to remember to put that in the show notes. But thank you for doing this with me. Okay. And uh, thanks for uh, a wonderful breakfast. And uh, I'm, I'm sad that you're not going to be here longer. But next time you come to DFW, you stay your ass in Fort Worth. Will do. <laughs> thank you all for listening. And I'll talk to you later. Thanks, everybody. It's good. Steven Gallegos, thank you for doing the show. He didn't have a choice. I just showed up at his hotel with my roadcaster. And that poor lady with the mask on her face, she definitely had no idea what we were doing. I'd like to thank her, whoever and wherever she is. Thank you for being on the show, ma'am. And thank you all for listening. I do this for you. Yes, you. If you're listening, thank you. Every time you listen to the show, it shows up on our analytics as a point. So you are contributing to the show just by listening. So thank you. Um, Also, I have a map. I have this cool map that lights up every time you listen, like whatever part of the country you're in. If you're in California, it shows up over there. If you're in North Dakota, it shows up there. If you're in Ireland, it shows up there. You get the idea. Anyway, it's cool. I like seeing that thing light up. So if you go to like Russia, listen to the podcast. I don't think we've had one light up there yet. We're worldwide. But thank you for listening. Seriously. Hey, I'm not going to harp on this, but I do want you to know there's another resource on our Patreon account.
excuse me, on the Patreon account, you uh, have access to longer episodes. What I did is I decided I was going to cut these down in between 30 and 45 minutes just for some uniformity. I was kind of all over the place. Hour and a half episode, 30 minute episode. I don't like that. So I've cut it down, but I'm keeping the lesser edited versions and the longer episodes on the patron accounts. So if you would like that, if you'd like to support the show, get longer episodes and early access to those episodes, that's where you would get it. Um, big thanks to Leslie Ben and Justin Motenta, our first two supporters of the show. They uh, get access to all that stuff. Um, behind the scenes material, we're going to add that pretty soon to the Patreon account. And uh, eventually we're going to do events. I haven't got that figured out yet. We used to do annual events with my little marketing company, Altitude Grove. And uh, so I've got kind of an idea how that will go. So first time we do an event, it's probably just going to be a meetup at a bar. But eventually we're going to pack out a 40,000 seat stadium. It's going to be pretty sweet. I hope you're there. We have a YouTube channel. Um, I tell you guys about that from time to time. But every one of these episodes, for the most part, has a YouTube video. I think I've done a video for every single one of them, even whenever I screw up with the cameras. I figure out a way to kind of finagle it, but most of them turn out pretty good. Social media accounts, Fort Worth Roots on every platform, easy to find. Also, I want to remind you guys, you can send me an MP3 format uh, voice recording. Every single person out there that has a smartphone has an MP3 recorder or a voice recorder. That records typically in MP3 format. You can send that to me like a voicemail, and I'd like to include it in the show. But before I do that, you, yes you, you got to send me a voicemail. you got to send me a file, then I can add it. Honorable mentions. I wanted to tell you guys about Horrible Podcast, Some of All Fears, and Sober Powered Podcast. These are three uh, friends of mine that I'm hanging out with, talking to, sharing information back and forth on Facebook. And they have some really good podcasts. Uh, Me and Lucas, Lucas and I, uh, have sat down for one recording that's already up and ready for you to listen to. That's episode six. Um, And then just the other day, we sat down and did another recording with his friend Andy. Lucas and Andy run Horrorful Podcast. They break down old school, like, B-budget horror films. It's an entertaining show, but it's also a great way to learn about old movie magic and these crazy low-budget horror films that were made back in the day. But it's interesting. I told them last time I sat down with them, I was like, I didn't think I was going to like your show, honestly. I thought it was a cool idea. But anyway, I listened to it. Awesome show. Very entertaining, and I like it. And I listen to it now, and they're up to episode four. So go check that out, man. It's going to make you want to watch old-school horror movies, though. Heads up. Some of All Fears, that was uh, with Ryan... Perio, who we, uh, that's episode 15, got released last Monday, and uh, he told me that Labor Day weekend, which is uh, in the future, okay, so like you're listening to this on Monday, Labor Day just happened. So, his podcast should be out. It's Some of All Fears, and it is on all podcast uh, directories, so you can get it wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Sober Powered Podcast is with our friend Gillian. And she has this awesome podcast where she talks about the effects of alcohol on our body and kind of what you go through uh, as a person trying to trying to live a sober life and all that good stuff. That's another one that when I saw it, I was like, this, I'm not going to be interested in this. But she has a, a, a fun way or 
um, easy way to, to listen to this kind of information. It doesn't seem like a high school PowerPoint presentation from your DARE officer. It's, uh, it's, it's entertaining. And she's got some really good information about it. And she's not just a podcaster. She's like a molecular biologist or something of that sort. Anyway, she's a smart lady, and she knows what she's talking about. And there's some really good stuff in there. One thing she talked about that really grabbed my attention is the effect that alcohol has on your metabolism. And I never really thought about that. Um, But uh, I could not lose weight at all until I stopped drinking. Uh, You know, stopped drinking diet exercise then the weight just fell right off but i wasn't attributing that to not drinking i was attributing that to me just being an absolute stud in the gym of course but that might not be the case and i have sober powered podcasts to thank for that added bit of information so anyway just to say information in there is awesome and i'm glad that i found it glad that i was able to connect with gillian and you should check it out that's it. I just want to talk to you before the podcast ended. Thanks for listening. You're the best. Try to do these every Monday. I've been pretty much on point so far. One little hiccup. You forgive me, right? Anyway, thank you again. Okay, I'll shut up. I'll talk to you next week. Bye! Bye!